Welcome into another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell. I'm joined, as always, by Matt Williamson. Matt, how's it going today? Things are good, man. How are you? I'm doing well. We I just feel like we're just a little bit closer to real football. We we looked uh, look forward so much to the preseason, and and now it's it's nearly over. Uh, it, it flew by, and week one is almost here. Yeah, I can't wait. This next week's going to be long. I mean, those. I gotta say, more than ever, I feel like coaches are resting their stars this preseason, and I think next week's going to be a bore fest. Yeah, I'm sure. As always, we won't see any of any of the big names in week four. But yeah, you're right. Week three, everybody calls it the dress rehearsal, and and it actually felt like like real football. It felt like the regular season, but that wasn't the case this year. A lot of those. A lot right. of the players sat out altogether in week three. Uh, a lot just played the first half. So, yeah, they're they're dialing it back. And uh, maybe one reason is all the injuries that we've seen, especially this past weekend, which was really rough. No doubt. And, you know, guys like Cam Newton, Ben Roethlisberger, they play one series. You know, it's like, so uh, that's how I do it if I was a coach. I mean, I, I got no qualms with it. Well, Matt, we've got an awesome guest here today, and, and this is the perfect person to talk training camp and preseason action. We've got Bob Henry from Football Guys. Bob, how's it going, man? Thanks for having me. It's that time of season. We're all we're all ready for the real action to start. Exactly. Bob, I don't know. This maybe this feels like your uh, like your main event because I know one of your big responsibilities over at Football Guys is the uh, the training camp updates. And I think I think we've we're three weeks into that now. I believe there's three editions of that out, and that's just been for years and years one of my go-to resources as the regular season nears. It, it covers everything you can imagine when it comes to the NFL and fantasy football. Yeah, that's pretty much the style and and the whole intent of it all. When Joe and David asked me years ago if if I would if I would run that baby. And uh, the whole the whole objective was try to get ourselves in the huddle, so to speak, and try to gather all those nuggets, the great little coaches' comments and quotes or players' quotes, GM comments, um, practice notes, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, if you literally fall asleep in August, you could just get up once a week, uh, come out of your weekly hibernation, read that thing, and know exactly what's going on, and have a really good beat on on all that. Um, of course prone to hyperbole because it is the preseason, right? <laughs> so uh, you got to pump the brakes here on some of these players. But that's the whole point, right, uh, is to see who's rising, who's falling, who's hot, uh, who's catching the eye of the coaches, what undrafted free agent is uh, sparking uh, some interest on, on, this, on the team and making a run at a position and, and all that kind of stuff. It's not just about, you know, who's going to be the starting running back or if Deshaun Kaiser is going to start for the Browns. It's those other battles. And even on the defensive side, that's, that's the rule the real joy and fun of it. Oh, it's really good stuff. I've been reading it for years now too. I mean, well before I got involved with football guys really is one stop shopping. I mean, if you just want to read about your favorite team, it's worth it or the teams in your, your favorite team's division, or if you want to read the thing cover to cover, it's great. I mean, week after week, you guys do a great job. And, and Bob, I'm curious how, how many years have you been involved with that? With that? Wow. You know, so I don't know if you guys remember or how long you were around before, you know, in the early days of the webs, the websites and fantasy football, I started Red Eye Sports in 1999, ran that for uh, about four years or so. And then I joined Joe and David and all the great guys at football guys, John Norton and I did, um, and Gene Bramble. Gene Bramble's with us at Red Eye Sports. 
So we moved over and, uh, you know, never looked back. It was been the best thing ever being part of football guys. And, uh, and when I joined over, I was doing everything from projections to writing the waiver wire report and sleepers and all sorts of stuff like that. And as we added more talent onto the staff, uh, you know, we got more people involved and Joe and David approached me for doing the training camp reports. And I had to take a big gulp on that. Cause I was just telling you guys earlier, I used to do all 32 teams in true red eye fashion. And, uh, sleep maybe eight or 10 hours of the whole weekend, um, which, which put a lot of onus on me, but also put a lot of onus on Jason Wood doing the editing for those things after, after writing that long over the weekend, I'm sure I made a lot of errors, but Jason's the champ of all champs when it comes to editors. And uh, as a team, we've just uh, built it out from then. So thankfully now, uh, you know, I don't do that much writing. I certainly compile it, put it all together, uh, make sure all the, you know, everything, everything is there. We're not missing any high, uh, you know, any, any kind of stories or, or innuendos that, that could be over overlooked. Um, but we have a great group of guys and staff at football guys. And, and uh, you know, we, we uh, harness the power of the, of the multitude of people we have and the talent we have on staff there to put these things out now. So, you know, I'd like to defer most of the credit to all those great writers putting most of the time in and then, you know, obviously Jason editing. And then I, I come in and make sure everything looks good and, uh, and assemble it, compile it, put it all together. Good stuff. Real good stuff. I, I just can't imagine writing uh, that full report by yourself. So that <laughs> yeah. you definitely earned your stripes doing that uh, over the we, past few years. The first time I turned the, the first, uh, uh, you know, season one, episode one, we used to do five of them too. <laughs> I, after a while, I'm like, you know, we probably only need to do four because after the fourth four game, it's, it's, uh, we don't need that. In the first week or so until the games are played, it's, it's just, you know, you're, you're rehashing a lot of OTA stuff and everything else. But, yeah, the first one I turned in, I think it was 46 pages. And Joe was like, whoa, can we get, like, a Cliff Notes version of this, Bob? <laughs> at which point I'm like, you know, somebody else is going to have to do that. I'm too fried at this point. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Because you have a real job too, right? That's right. That's right. I, 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 I butter my bread elsewhere <laughs> for the day job. Yeah. <laughs> I give you guys credit to do this on the side with a real job. I mean, it's a lot of work. Bob, just covering preseason and training camp over the past several years, it sounds like maybe the past 10 years for football guys. Do you feel like fantasy players and, and maybe dynasty players specifically put too much stock into preseason action or, or not enough? You know, it's a really good question. I think certainly I come from a dynasty background. I was telling you my, my main league is uh it's not even a dynasty league. I don't know what we classify it as a salary cap league, I guess. Um, and, you know, preseason's always been a great thing for us because we always want to see that fourth or fifth receiver, you know, that second, third, fourth running back guys that um, may emerge during the season. Um, or, you know, you may take before somebody gets hurt, you just may take a flyer on them as a priority waiver or something like that because you saw them flash in the preseason. Um, so I think, you know, if you're just a casual redraft leaguer, you certainly pay attention to preseason, but not like you do if you're a dynasty league player or, you know, a, a keeper league or something like that. And I think the same is true. But, you know, in the, I would say the last, in the last five or six, seven, maybe 10 years, football itself has become such a mainstream year-round headline-generating sport. There is no off-season. That used to be one of my taglines at Red Eye Sports is there is no off-season. You know, championships are one in the off-season. So I've always loved the offseason, the draft season, the preseason, OTAs, all that. But now it's just a steady stream. And Dynasty Leaguers pay a lot of attention 
to that. And uh, of course, you know, a lot of dynasty leagues draft early on in the season. So, um, sure. so yeah, I think, I think in general dynasty leaguers pay more attention to it. Um, at least the, the finer details of the, the, the depth charts and the rosters and the battles going on. Not to mention, I mean, dynasty league players are advanced fantasy players in general. You know, I mean, my buddies, we have a, our, our redraft league coming up where we go to Deep Creek, Maryland, and we rent a pontoon boat and we do a lot more beer drinking and stuff than we do talking about football. I mean, those guys would die in, in dynasty. That's yeah, no, there's no doubt about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. And, and, you know, especially with the rookies, because, uh, I mean, everybody's smitten by rookies, but dynasty leaguers are absolutely, uh, you know, zoned in on them through the draft process. And especially when you see you want to see them play on the team and, in, you know, for that coach and in the system and see how they do. Bob, we're going to talk about a few specific teams today and, and some situations that dynasty owners and fantasy players in general should be watching. But before we get to those, I, I just wonder digging through that, that document the past three or four weeks that football guys has produced. Uh, what are some of your key, t- key takeaways over this past preseason and, and training camp? You know, I mean, there's, there's obvious big headlines that, you know, the last weekend or two, especially you have everything from Zeke, Zeke, uh, Ezekiel Elliott suspension to the major injuries. And we've seen some pretty big ones in the last few days from Spencer Ware to Julian Edelman to Cameron Meredith. Um, you know, I think those are the key takeaways, key headlines. Um, you know, every team has a different storyline though, and you're looking for, you know, coaching changes and if players are fitting those schemes or, you know, we project players into, into roles based on schemes in a new team, based on what the coach did at the last team. Um, you, you know, the, obviously Kyle Shanahan comes to mind, you know, in Atlanta, just because they were so good. And, and you know, he goes to San Francisco now and, and we're trying to project uh, folks into those same roles occupied by a Taylor Gabriel or, or things like that. So you're looking for those types of things, those those patterns or, or those uh, roles to emerge and, and whether they they hold true to how we project them. Um, but yeah, in general, I think some of the key takeaways, you guys touched on it a little bit earlier in that, uh, you know, when the third game hit and it was the rehearsal and I'm like, where's Todd Gurley? Did he get hurt? No. So, so I'm, I'm looking to Twitter, I'm looking to Roto World or other news blurbs and, and just make, doing a double take just to make sure, you know, folks that uh, you don't expect to be heard or didn't hear anything are, are actually, they're just sitting out. So it, it gives you a little bit of a heart attack when you see some of those things. And, There's you know, it's just, just so much just, of it nowadays, too. Exactly, exactly. So, um, yeah, I mean, the key takeaways are really just, you know, watching the games as always. Uh, don't just look at the boss scores. I think the key t- takeaway for me, every training camp is, is taking a look at who's playing against who and uh, matching that up. And, and, you know, your eyeballs usually tell you the truth. So when players are shining, that's a really good thing. Uh, and if they're not, sometimes it's not always their fault that, you know, teams are running really vanilla schemes. And, and uh, if they're going against the ones, it's a lot different than going against the threes when, when uh, you know, it's a different uh, landscape competitively. No well, let's get into some of these uh, specific teams. We talked about several last week, uh, and, and we want to cover some more this week as we do get ready for week one. Let's start with the Eagles. Uh, been a lot of talk this offseason about some of the moves they've made, bringing in Alshon Jeffrey and LeGarrette Blunt, getting rid of Jordan Matthews. Uh, but the, the player who 
just kind of uh, goes under the under the radar a little bit is actually their quarterback, Carson Wentz. I haven't heard much talk about him at all. And Bob, I'm wondering your thoughts on him from a dynasty perspective. Do you think he can make that leap that we saw from Derek Carr and Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota over the past couple of years where they went from kind of that unknown young quarterback to almost an elite level uh, dynasty asset? I do. I really do. And there's a lot of factors. I mean, some of them are, are less dynasty and, and more even just looking at the the matchups and the landscape of the NFC East. The one thing that I was looking at when I was first doing my projections, you know, even before the draft and right around the draft time was it seemed like just a, a big gap of poor secondaries in the NFC East. Uh, Philadelphia's looked just devoid of, of talent at first. And so when you think, wow, you know what? The Eagles defense looks really poor, especially against the pass and, uh, and he already threw the ball a ton last year. So, you know, how is, what is that going to pretend for him? And then they go and add, you know, players like jo- Jeffrey um, and even Torrey Smith, I guess, but you know, he is a, a good deep threat if nothing else. And, uh, and even just adding guys like Mac Hollins, uh, perhaps a better running game. They got a solid offensive line. And uh, I thought Wentz looked really good as a rookie, all things considered. Obviously, he had some really sketchy spots, and, and he was also had a lot thrown at him in terms of the pure volume and, and what he was asked to do as a rookie. So uh, I think everything I've read and seen is that he's put in the time. You know, he had some camps up there. Where do they go, in Montana or Dakota or something like that? <laughs> Big Sky Country. And uh, there's some, there some good uh, drops from Jordan Matthews on that. <laughs> <laughs> there's just a bunch of redheads up there. I think is what he said. <laughs> there's nothing else but drinking beer and, and a bunch of redheads up there. So that's, that's pretty funny. But um, you know, Wentz certainly has the talent. He can, he can move around. He's mobile. He, he, he seems to be uh, making the, making at least decent reads for a young quarterback. His, you know, with his lack of experience or experience. And uh, I do think he'll make a step forward and, you know, I have to come tr- come clean here because I am an owner of Wentz. So my buddies will say I'm a bit of a homer for saying that. Um, but I do think he's one of the up and comers. I don't know how far he'll make as far as the jump. Uh, I do think he's definitely a really good target as a high end backup QB two or a really good QB two in, in leagues to start to. And uh, like I said, the, we'll see what the Cowboys defense ends up being like they haven't looked too good in the preseason. They do have some young talent in that secondary in the draft. They added a couple of good players. Um, maybe the Redskins will have the best secondary and the giants lost a few. So we'll see. There should be a lot of uh, balls being slung around in the NFCs this year. It sounds like you're a Wentz believer. I'm a massive Wentz believer for the long term. I don't just don't know about for a redraft in 2017. Yeah, well, that's fair. I, I don't expect him, you know, jump in the top five or six or anything like that. It's a really deep class of quarterbacks this year from a fantasy perspective. And even if he jumps into that 13 to 15, 16 range, uh, that's that's pretty notable if you really think about it. And I do think he has that capability, but that's, that I would say a ceiling maybe around quarterback 10 to 15 in that range. And his probable range of outcomes is anywhere from 10 to 20. You know, it all depends. Uh, if if they improve defensively with that offensive line, and adding blunt, maybe they they shift more heavy to the run pa- and you know on the run side of the run pass ratio, and his his attempts go down, uh, much like everybody was projecting 
Blake Bortles this year. Obviously, that's a different different reason, although I guess it is somewhat the same. You want to protect your young cornerbacks, but um, uh, we'll see. Yeah, I, I think he's he's rock solid, and he's going to be a, a good uh, you know cornerstone for the Eagles. Yeah, I guess I just think about the – kind of the current quarterback landscape uh, in the NFL and, and how that affects dynasty leagues. You think about some of the top quarterbacks are over 35 years old this, at this point, and we just don't know how much they have left. Of course, Ben Roethlisberger's already talked about considering retirement. And then you look at guys like Breeze and Brady who are pushing 40, if not there already. There's going to be a huge opportunity for guys like Wentz to, to make that leap if they can prove it on the field. No doubt. Bob, let's move over to the 49ers. Uh, you already talked a little bit about um, Shanahan making the move there, obviously uh, rebuilding that team, kind of putting his his stamp on that, on that squad with a lot of uh, additions they've made. I, I really think the wide receiver moves they've made uh, are interesting. Adding Pierre Garcon was the kind of the headliner there. They gave him a ton of money. But they also added Aldrick Robinson, who, of course, played for Shanahan in Atlanta, and added Marquise Goodwin. I, I just wonder if those two can kind of repeat the, the Robinson-Taylor Gabriel uh, role from Atlanta. And for dynasty players, should that even matter? Are they going to be kind of those gimmick deep ball guys, or can they be actual factors on a weekly basis? Yeah, it, it, that remains to be seen. And of course, Atlanta has some trump cards that San Francisco doesn't. They have Matt Ryan. <laughs> they have, you know, Julio Jones. Uh, they have some really serious talent there. I mean, I, even Devontae Freeman. Carlos Hyde, uh, I've always thought, is a pretty solid talent. And of course, there's a lot yeah. of debate whether or not he, he is a fit for that scheme. And mostly the debate has been that he's not, right? And John Lynch is looking to replace him in the whole story with Joe Williams. And then here we are uh, as we record this. The biggest buzz is Matt. Uh, how you say his last name? Brita. Brita. Yeah. Uh, may be the backup there. In all, all off season, I, I've had plenty of, of tweets about this about Joe Williams. So I think is a fine talent. You know, I, he should be a good long term player for them, and, and especially um, as they as they are patient with him and move him into the system. But uh, you know, Tim Hightower was a league winner a couple of years ago, and Ingram got hurt, and people seem to just scoff and overlook uh, a veteran like that that has probably plenty of left, plenty of gas in his tank left. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen in that backfield? As far as the receivers, to your point, Pierre Garçon was obviously the biggest move there, and he's got he's going to be just a target king, you have to imagine. Um, after that, it gets really interesting. Now, Marquise Goodwin, Olympic speed and all that, uh, he certainly has flashed in the preseason. He's made some big catches, and I think was he has scored twice, if I'm correct. On that, a couple long-term, long-range touchdowns. Uh, Jeremy Curley's an interesting player. I think, I, th- I think Chase Stewart or somebody like that. Uh, good old Chase throws out a lot of good statistical nuggets out there from football perspective. Uh, he, it might not have been him, but somebody said something about Jeremy Curley, where he's, I think every team he's been on for the last three or four years, he's led his team in targets. I don't know if that's how wow. bad the teams he's been in. Or if it's, you know. Yeah, I think that's a chicken or egg situation. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about Jeremy Curley, but he's obviously a glue guy. You know, he's he's a guy that can um, round out that and and be a good good versatile uh, slot receiver. But you know, the player that I'm keeping an eye on and who I really like, just having watched him a little bit, is Trent Taylor. I know he's he's small in in all of that, but if I think he could probably emerge. 
uh, is an inside receiver down down the road, and he's looked uh, he's looked pretty pretty productive in, in what I've seen of him so far this preseason. So uh, he, I don't know if he may not even make the team, but I, I suspect he will, and and uh, he could even have a role um, at some point this year. Aldrick Robinson is hung on forever. Uh, certainly, Shanahan brought him over along with Garcon, so he has experience with both of those players. He would be your ideal fourth receiver, just like he was in Atlanta to, you know, those go routes. And, and when you spread the field, he's going to probably get the, the least coverage or the, the, you know, the dime corner or something like that uh, from which he can exploit. And his whole career, he's never been really a full-time player, but he's always made a career of averaging 20, 30 yards to catch, it seems like, or, or uh, having a high touchdown to catch ratio. So we'll see what goes on there. I, you know, certainly – they have some interesting pieces. I don't know how many of them will pan out for fantasy, but you definitely think Garcon's got a great shot at a wide receiver two, wide receiver three. And uh, Goodwin is somebody I would definitely throw a dart at uh, in the latter half or you know latter quarter of the of the draft and redraft. Ryan, I'm curious. Do you know what the ask? What's it cost you to get Carlos Hyde right now? I think he's kind of starting to trend back up in dynasty. I bet. Yeah, I mean there was even. I'm sure you guys remember there was even the rumor that they could uh, trade or, or even cut him. And and I think that's pretty obviously not happening at this point. So yeah, starting to trend back up. He's, he's probably going to cost you a late first rounder. I would think if you're talking uh, I guess future yeah. rookie picks. Yeah. I wanted to mention our buddies over at loot crate. Uh, every, when you sign up for loot crate, I've told you guys about them before. They send you a package to your door every month. It's the best surprise you know is coming. There's a different theme every month. It's really good stuff. It's high-quality stuff, too. Um, so if this is what you're all about, you got to sign up for Loot Crate. So if you if you want to be the envy of your friends and get 100% off exclusive crates at LootCrate.com slash DynastyBlueprint, enter our code DynastyBlueprint, and you'll save a couple bucks off an already cheap subscription. Uh, if you're on a quest for epic gear, housewares, collectibles, Loot Crate has it. It's the best surprise you know is coming. Loot Crate offers an epic range of pop culture items for less than $20 a month. If you're more of a, a fan, fanatical fashionata, then try Loot Wear. Monthly wearables and accessories with cult classics and your favorite franchises. If you want to get fancy, try a bigger box with even bigger loot at Loot Crate DX. Or this is my favorite. If you want to geek out your pet, try Loot Pets. In August Loot Crate, you will find items from The Legend of Zelda, Adventure Time, and Lord of the Rings. Kingdom is their theme this month. One lucky subscriber will also win a mega crate of seriously epic proportions. So go to lootcrate.com slash dynastyblueprint, enter our code dynastyblueprint, and you will save a couple bucks off an already cheap monthly subscription. Bob, let's look at the Seahawks next. Um, on this show, we've talked a lot this offseason about the the trio of running backs they've got there now. Of course, Eddie Lacy, Thomas Rawls, and C.J. Procise. Uh, and I've I've shared my opinion, and I think Matt maybe agrees, that we just don't really trust any of those guys to stay healthy, unfortunately. And, and we're, right. we're already seeing signs of that with a couple of them. But a rookie there, Chris Carson, has kind of emerged lately over the past couple of weeks of the preseason. Do you think he's for real, and could he earn a significant role in this offense? Why not? I, I think it goes back to something I said earlier. Does he pass the eye test? And uh, he doesn't have the college production. There's no doubt about that, even though 
I remember in the pre-draft uh, process, a few people were calling him out as somebody to really watch, somebody that wasn't as productive but certainly had the talent in the measurables. Um, and, and, you know, when the measurables stack up, your eyes don't lie what you see on the screen. And, you know, he seems like he can block pretty well. He runs between the tackles. He can catch. He seems to have all, you know, the whole well-rounded sort of uh, molded piece of clay you want as a running back prospect. So, you know, why not is the thing I say. So I would throw a dart at him. Even in redraft, just throw a last round or late round throw at, uh, a, you know, pick at him. In, uh, in Dynasty, absolutely. You, you look at somebody like Eddie Lacy, who's kind of on a, try or buy basis for the Seahawks. You know, they're not vested heavily in him. Uh, Thomas Rawls is, is highly productive as he's been and efficient as he's been and just physical, just a really good looking running back. He can't stay healthy. He's got, he's had a bad wheel among other injuries and CJ proceeds, my Lord, that guy probably could be the best of them all, but he can't stay on the field either. So uh, this is one of those classic situations where the fourth running back could definitely be on the field and for that matter, Alice Collins has recommitted himself in the offseason came in. Now he hasn't flashed quite as much in the games or in, in you know in the games or in practices, but he certainly has uh, gotten himself in better shape. And and if if he's cut, I wouldn't be surprised if he lands somewhere else and uh, potentially has a shot for playing time. Bob, I'm kind of putting you on the spot here because I don't know the answer, and I'm hoping you do. If you don't, no big deal. But does Carson <laughs> have any special teams value? I'm sitting here thinking. I mean, for a fourth running back to have an impact on NFL team, he's got to help on teams. Well, you would think so. Yeah, I, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know yeah. if he's played special teams at Oklahoma. It was Oklahoma State. Okay. Is that where he was? Oklahoma or Oklahoma State? I think it was Oklahoma State. I'm um, positive. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Uh, but everything I hear about him as far as his black as his blacking, his his blocking and tack and tackling. And maybe I assume if he's a good blocker, he could tackle and he seems to have a good all-around skill set and, and uh, lunch pail kind of guy. So I, I wouldn't, in a, you know, with, with that coaching staff there, Sonny Shine, the sun's always shining. And, uh, you know, I would imagine they want to put him on the field any way they can. So I would, I would have to guess that he probably does have some special teams utility, uh, but I don't know that to be 100% true. He's the makeup of a good kickoff return type. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or even just uncovered. Yeah, for sure. The thing with Carson and Henderson uh, with Denver, you know, those guys have kind of been hot names in the dynasty circles over the past week or two. And it's as much about their competition, I think, as it is about what they're doing. Uh, they both, they've both been impressive, but when you look at um, the backs in Seattle and uh, We've already talked about the health issues with each of them. You look at the competition that Henderson has in Denver, and C.J. Anderson kind of seems to be trending in the wrong direction. Uh, Booker can't stay on the field. Charles, he looked good in week three, but no one really knew what to expect from him coming off that injury. So so for me, the way I'm valuing those guys, it's it's as much about their opportunity and their competition as it is what I think about them as prospects. And that's always the other half, right? It's talent and opportunity. And when the two come together, really good things can happen. Which leads us to Tampa with Doug Martin out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How about that segue, right? That, that was nice. That was nice. Let's talk. Yeah, I, I read your write-up, or at least I pulled it up. <laughs> There's a first time for everything. 
Stranger things. Let, let's talk about the Tampa backfield, though. This one is a strange one as well, and I don't know. Um, I don't know if they have the young, up-and-coming running running back who can maybe take charge like Seattle and, and Denver might. Uh, we know the deal with Doug Martin. He's facing a suspension to begin the season, but uh, everyone's still pretty much valuing him. In, a, in fantasy leagues as if he is the starter. And they've got some depth there with Jacquez Rogers, Charles Sims. They drafted McNichols, but the latest word is he might not even make that team. Um, so I, I don't know. That that may end up being a wasted draft pick for Tampa and, and maybe for fantasy owners as well. Bob, on your dynasty teams, do you want any of these guys? Yeah. You know, I like Jeremy McNichols coming out of college. I, I thought he went into an interesting place with the Bucks, And then we get into preseason and the coaching staff is raving about Charles Sims again, which you, you're like, okay, well maybe McNichols is going to play Sims because he seemed like that would seem the most fitting as far as skill sets and so forth. Uh, but a healthy Sims is a hard guy to supplant, I would imagine, because he is a good pass catching back and, and he's very good in that particular role for the team and has been before. Um, I do, I tend to be more of a Doug Martin believer, despite all the reasons not to believe in him. Uh, and this is the classic every other year for Doug Martin and we have the contract and everything else. So he's definitely motivated. He looks in good shape. Uh, and Jacquez Rogers really reemerged last year. So it's a bit of a split backfield, like you said, multiple personalities, and I could totally see where a rookie like Jeremy Nichols is getting lost in that, especially if he has any sort of dings or bumps and bruises coming in and, and it sidelined him in practices. Um, I think, I think most recently we're hearing about him running behind Peyton Barber and, um, and Hansborough. So that's not a good sign. <laughs> no. uh, and I don't think they're going to be very successful trying to stash him on, on uh, the practice squad. So unless he comes up with some faux injury and they, they slide him onto the injury, injured reserve or something he's a he's a classic claim candidate much like you know at what, several years ago now when uh, I think it was Jeff Fisher that had LeGarrette Blount and caught him and tried to stash him and if I recall it was the Bucks that that uh that claimed him see if my memory's rusty there or not at any rate we know yeah, Blunt was right. yeah. was uh what you know was uh in that same kind of position even though he was undrafted so I don't know. We'll have to find out here. And, and either way, I think there's going to be a back that gets claimed because if Peyton Barber gets cut, I would imagine he has some sort of value around the league and somebody might be interested in him. An old Matt Walton favorite, right? Yeah, I just want to say he's Matt a Walton, Walton favorite. <laughs> he, he's got kind of a downhill style to him that's sort of Doug Martin-esque. I mean, I think that's what that offense wants to do is they kind of play 80s football of a lot of downhill runs, deep shots off of that. I think Barber kind of fits better than than the Rook. And I'm a huge Doug Martin fan. I think he's going to have a really big year. Is he more cheaper or more expensive than Carlos Hyde right now to buy, Ryan? Oh, he's, he's, I think he's cheaper. He's way cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. Way cheaper? I mean, you can get him for a mid-second? Well, I mean, if you find the right trade partner, you know, I mean, if, if I'm a contender and I've got Martin, then I'm probably not selling for a second. There's, there's not much motivation right. to do that. But – I would say I would say this for sure. I don't think anybody would expect to get a first rounder for him. Okay. I mean, if you're not a contender though, you're not taking a 2018 second for him though, are you? No. No, that's what I'm saying. Okay. It's, it, you, you've yeah. got to find that more than that. Right, you got to find that right trade partner. 
but I mean, if you're if you're a building team, a rebuilding team, and you've you've got him on your roster, then you might take you might take a second for him. But I mean, as always with guys like that, it's better to sell during the season than in the preseason or off season. While he's suspended, <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe a few weeks in. All right, uh, Bob. Let's look at the Titans next. Uh, uh, more more backfield talk here. Uh, Dynasty owners love Derrick Henry. Uh, in fact, we we've talked on this show about how he's basically been valued higher than Demarco Murray uh, for much of his short career there in Tennessee. But Murray continues to hang on to that job, of course, and we don't expect that to change at least anytime soon. But do you think Henry plays a larger role this year, and maybe can he increase his dynasty value even more? I would like to think so. I've been bullish on Henry even as a rookie, and you know, geez, it, it, a lot. It still depends on Demarco. Demarco Murray's just a beast, and and when he's healthy, it's hard to take him off the field. Uh, I, I, you know, the exotic Smash Mouth. I'd love to see uh, them try to put both of them on the field and, and mix the touches up a little bit more. I'd love to see Henry a little bit more in the passing game. Cause I think when you get him out on the edge, he's just a load against those smaller uh, outside linebackers or corners or safeties. And uh, you know, I've followed Henry a long time, Ryan, you and I've chatted back and forth on Twitter about players and in your Debbie stuff like that. Uh, I'm a big Michigan Wolverine fan, but I- even more so I'm, I follow, uh, you know, the recruiting, which is an, another whole level a whole nother layer of sickness, right? <laughs> there's there's this draftness, draftnik sickness, and then there's the recruiting sickness. So I, I follow all the recruiting <laughs> stuff. And, uh, you know, Derek Henry, I, I just remember when he was coming out of high school, he's Mr. Football out of Uly, Florida, uh, track and field athlete, number one athlete in the nation, all American, all that kind of stuff. And you just remember as a high schooler seeing those proportions of him and the size and is he really going to be a running back? And then you watch it play out, of course, for Alabama playing in the SEC against the toughest competition. Uh, I, I've been a believer of him for a long time and and it's just going to be fun to see him get that opportunity. You know, I, I have projected for 155 carries and about 20 catches. We'll see. You know, if, if DeMarco Murray goes down, he's the one guy I think that absolutely could be you know, not in your top 25 right now, overall redraft or, or you know, dynasty is certainly higher than that. But uh, next year I could see him being a first round pick in redraft leagues uh, just based on uh, pure opportunity. And obviously with the talent he has. Bob, I don't know if you know this, but I was a recruiting assistant at Pitt for three years. And then I went to Akron as a director of ops. So I watched a ton of high school tape many moons ago. And you brought That's up Eric Henry. And all I could think about was I can't imagine what he looked like as a 16 or 17 year old as a running back <laughs> against. I mean, it's he's a man amongst boys now. And was it Bama? I mean, I, I've been so out of the recruiting loop. I might have to do a, a YouTube highlight tape and just see what he looked like. It must have been unbelievable. Yeah, go through on the huddle tape, right? <laughs> uh, well, if you, especially if you're a Mr. Football in Florida, which I mean, you could make it. Well, it says everything is California, Florida, Georgia, those. Those, those states, even Ohio, are just so rich in talent. Uh, but to be the Mr. Football in the state of Florida and a track and field athlete at that size just speaks of just how overall, you know, athletic and not just big and strong, but fast and, and um, just, a, just a purebred athlete. And he's, he's going to be fun to watch. He's really going to be a star in the league, I, I would have to think. And it could come sooner. I mean, if, if Murray gets hurt, 
you have to think Derrick Henry moves right into the RB1 situation uh, pretty darn quick. Oh, yeah. Immediately. I, I still think he should have been an edge, edge pass rusher. <laughs> that would Imagine be fun. Like a, three, like a Von Miller type? Oh, man. So, Bob, it sounds like you're a big fan of Henry. If you are – uh, if you're in the dynasty league, are you buying him right now? Are you going to wait until the season starts and, and he's still running behind Murray? Maybe, maybe some of that shine comes off. What, what, what's your strategy with trying to acquire him? Yes, yes, yes. Always try to get Henry. I think the longer you wait, the higher <laughs> price is going to go up. And, uh, you know, we just, like I was telling you guys, we had our, uh, dynasty auction rookie draft yesterday. And, uh, the, the guy who has Henry, also has Kareem Hunt. So he drafted him with uh, was it the seventh pick, I believe. And so the, the Devonta Freeman owner was trying to trade Freeman for Henry and Hunt. And we were all going, nah, nah, that's, I mean, <laughs> I'd that's rather the two young guys. Yeah. It's rich on both sides, but I'm keeping Henry and Hunt for sure on that one. <laughs> um, so oh, yeah. yeah. And there was no budge going on there. Right? You know, when, when you got Henry and Hunt, you kind of know what you have and you're going to let that play it out. And, and you're, you're not going to invest in those two guys and then trade them before you get to cash in. You know, you want to see that play out. So the, the future is bright for both those kids. Bob, let's finish up today with the Redskins. Uh, Seems like dynasty owners were really excited uh, about Samaj P. Ryan when he landed in Washington, uh, mostly again due to his competition or lack thereof. It, it feels like we all just expected him to walk right in, claim that job from day one, and that hasn't really been the case. We've we've seen more of a fight from Rob Kelly than uh, than expected, and you guys in your latest uh, training camp report described to Kelly as outworking and, and outplaying P Ryan, basically the entire off season. What are your thoughts on P Ryan at this point? Is, is he just a, a little bit slower to adjust to the NFL or uh, is maybe, maybe Kelly's better than we thought? I think both. I think both Kelly is playing better than I anticipated. And uh, he, We've all read the stories, and, and we've seen him now in the preseason. He looks pretty good. He certainly seems like he's in better shape, and we know him to be in better shape from all the reports of losing weight. Uh, you know, the one-third less fat Rob Kelly, I guess, is his new title. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all the bang for your buck, but less calories. Uh, but, you know, they got a great offensive – or really good offensive line anyway. And I still will bet on the better talent in the long run, and I do think Samaji Perrine is the better talent. I was smitten with him at Oklahoma – I definitely loved him throughout the draft process. And when he landed in Washington, you know, it was a knee-jerk reaction to everybody was all over Preen. Like, this is a guy that might have the best shot uh, to win or, you know, overtake the incumbent and, and get some playing time right out of the gate. And I projected him very bullishly out of the gate, like 200-plus carries. And and even in the passing game, I thought he was just going to come in and, and uh, you know, be a physical uh at least capable blocker and, and demonstrate his chops there. But I think he's, he's a little bit uh, underprepared there. Let's say uh, Kelly's come in and he certainly showed up and done his part and, and, and Hey, you know, all the credit to Kelly, he's, he's doing what he needs to do and he's performing and the coaches like him and they trust him. You know, he, he hasn't fumbled or anything like that. Now, as we've seen with Matt Jones, if, Ke- if Kelly fumbles a couple of times in the, in week one, all bets are off and, and anybody could jump into that spot and uh, I do think over time, Perrine will prove himself. He's just such a solid physical runner. Uh, at some point, I think he's the cream will rise to the crop and he's going to be fine. So buy low, 
don't don't hesitate draft him in the first or second round wherever wherever you're able to get him and uh I, I would I would still be drafting him absolutely he's a target I think that's really well said I mean this really feels like coaches you like you said him coming in quote unprepared perhaps that Kelly still is who he is and maybe he looks a little better and maybe he felt threatened and he's he's getting himself into shape and all those things but P Ryan's is better and it, I don't so I don't think it's going to take long at all before we see that. I mean, unless this kid's a knucklehead and doesn't work and doesn't do what he needs to do, but I think he'll go past Kelly one that when it really matters soon, which makes me think if I have Kelly, I'm taking whatever I get for him right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and again, you know, there's something to be said about a player like Kelly who has a chip on his shoulder, maybe feels like he's under under uh, rated or undervalued. Uh, I could tell you this though. I don't think Gruden underrates him or undervalues him. And he's, he's, playing him and proving that. Uh, but as we get into week two, week four, week six, and Perrine gets, you know, more of those bumps and bruises and NFL uh, experience un- under his belt, I-, I do think ultimately he's just going to – he's, he's going to be the guy. But, but, you know, give credit where it's due. And Kelly's showed up. He's playing out. He's earned his stripes. And I don't even know, like we said, I don't know if Perrine necessarily is underprepared as much as – uh, it's just taken him a little bit longer to overtake somebody that is really just as motivated as Kelly has been and has that trust factor. I think those two things in the, in the blocking uh, in the passing game are big factors for rookies. And, and Perrine has to prove that and do that consistently. And that's what coaches want to see. Not that you do it, you know, one practice or two practices, but you do it consistently day in, day out. And that's how he's going to do it. Ultimately he'll get there. I don't know when it'll be. I thought it would have been, by now, or certainly by week two or three, uh, maybe it's week eight or nine. But uh, at some point, you have to imagine that that uh, train's going to show up. Question for both of you, and I understand that these players' stock are going opposite directions right now. Ryan, starting with you, P. Ryan or Kamara? Oh, it's always been Kamara for me, and still is. It was for me originally. Then I switched to P. Ryan. Now I'm kind of leaning Kamara again. But they've always been they were close. Originally, it was Kamara by landslide. It, Interesting, Bob. What do you think? Just so, so well, it early on for me, it would have been P Ryan for sure. Uh, but I have, okay. uh, I have switched over to Kamara there. Uh, you know, the guy just has so much ability and explosiveness, and you've seen that now. You know, playing for the Saints in 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 the pro game, uh, and it obviously flashed on tape. The things there are a couple of things that worried me. I mean, things like fumbling are always a concern, uh, and some you, you hope you can fix that, of course. Um, but when you hear Sean Payton compare him not to Reggie Bush, but to Marshall Falk, you know, you got to do a double take. Say, Marshall <laughs> Falk, are you kidding me? Come on, man. Uh, but that might be a little extreme. Yeah, that might be a little extreme. And I'm sure it is. But just the same. That, that's <laughs> lofty praise. And, and to even draw that comparison just shows you what that guy's doing on a day in, day out in practice and, and making plays like that, and especially when he's balling next to Ingram and Peterson. You, you know, you, you have to really think that this guy is going to be pretty darn good, not only playing next to him, but learning from them. And, and those guys aren't going to last forever. So, uh, and we know the Saints backfield is one to invest in. Uh, they get a lot of catches, a lot of opportunities, and it's just rich with opportunity. Well, Bob, thanks so much for joining us today. Before we wrap it up, tell our listeners where they can find your work. Footballguys.com, of course. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Bob Henry. Pretty simple. Uh, 
And uh, yeah, we'd love to see you guys come over, football guys. We have our training camp reports. Last one comes out on Wednesday. And uh, go check out our apps online, the Draft Dominator, Lineup Dominator. we got a, a slew of, of great apps, mobile apps, uh, as well as the desktop version. So uh, come check us out and uh, enjoy the fun. All right. Thanks again, Bob. Good we'll be job. back next week with more Dynasty Blueprint.